Hey everybody, Ryan Molly here, and I am really excited about this week's guest. Um, I've known this guest for well over 20 years. Uh, she helped to shape me professionally, personally, helped to teach me um, a lot about the musculoskeletal system um, when I was uh, at Mercer's College at that time, Mercer's University now. So um, a lot of you that have been through the Mercer's uh, the, the college era, the university era, you're going to recognize her. It's Sue Sweeney. Uh, she's touched so many lives. Uh, I think of all the classmates that I had. Uh, we had a very small but intimate group in the athletic training department, and um, she's a legend. So stay tuned. Looking forward to this episode. All nurses to the nurses Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hey Sawbones, my story, my passion. I'm Dr. Ryan Molly, orthopedic surgeon, uh, entrepreneur, cutter of bones, business owner, but most importantly, loving husband and father of three very busy young boys. And tonight, this is a bit of a throwback episode. I'm really excited about uh, my guest, um, really helped to shape me who I am professionally, and uh, along with the whole community. And as you can probably notice, I'm in a little bit of throwback uh, Mercier's College. This is before it was Mercier's University. So one of my uh, teachers, professors at Mercyhurst, I'm going to still call it college because that's what it was when I was there. But uh, without further ado, Sue Sweeney. So, hey. Sue. Hey, Ryan. Thank, thank you for joining us. Tonight. Thank you for having me here. So um, as we always start these episodes out, mm -hmm. I like for my guests to be able to kind of get to know who you are. So who is sure. Sue Sweeney? Like, I know we chatted a little bit upstairs yeah. when, you, when you first came in, but where'd you grow up? Kind of maybe your family background and kind of all the way up through current. And then we'll get into some more of the details as we go. Ryan, that's a lot of years. <laughs> <laughs> we, got I, we have two hours and 44 minutes, oh, I noticed, on the memory card. So. <laughs> all right. So um, I was born in Buffalo, New York, lived there till I was about 12 years old, and then um, moved to Sherman, New York for a short time, and then uh, Finley Lake. Um, so grew up in that a lot, spent a lot of time with my grandparents. My grandfather was a veterinarian and probably my favorite place to be when your grandfather has a kennel right at their home and you have animals at your disposal at all times and you get to go on calls. 
um, it was great. Now I look back and like what amazing learning experience and communication and relation. I think relationships was the biggest part of it. Um, Finley Lake is where my heart is. Um, if you ask me like where I'd want to be at any time or any place that that'd be it. Um, Did you grow up on the lake? On the lake. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So my parent, my mom, my dad passed away last year. My mom's still there and stuff in the family house, uh, on the lake. So yeah, that was small community graduated class of 28, yeah. I thought my graduating <laughs> class of 106 was small. Yeah, so very small. What and high school? Climber. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Climber Central School. Um, and uh, so right now and stuff, though, just a shout out, Climber Sherman Panama is a combined school. And they just, they're in the second round of state championships um, for football. That's so awesome. I think second or third round. So it's very cool. Um, so how big are they now since they combine those schools? They only combine for sports. There's still okay. three separate schools. So wow. when the need is there, they combine for sports. So it's kind of, it's neat to see because huge rivalry. Those were our rivalries growing up. Like you were friends wow. with Sherman kids and Panama kids. Um, but again, when it came to being on the field or the court or whatever, it was, you know, leave so it So you didn't there. combine back then though? No, no, we were all separate. You guys could not have had a football team with 20 some students. Well, my class was the smallest one. The class above me was like 70 some. Oh, wow. I don't know what it was about us, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it was, it was cool. I mean, it was neat growing up in a small community, um, you know, and times have changed, but it's just, it, it was a great way to build relationships um, and just have every opportunity was there. Um, I last this weekend I was cleaning out downstairs and I came, my mom, you know, she's the mom that kept everything. So is my mom. Yes. So <laughs> I found the bag with all my letters and stuff, like my letterman jacket letters and stuff. And I so, think I meant like boyfriend letters. Or no, stuff yeah, like no. That. My mom kept that stuff too. No. Oh geez. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but like all the pins because you did everything. You were the statistician for boys basketball. You played basketball, you cheerlead, like you did everything. And because wow. the opportunity was there, you didn't get cut from things, you know, very often. So after Climber, where'd you head after that? Um, after Climber, then I went to Mercyhurst, actually. So I'm a 88 alum of Mercyhurst and uh, graduated with a bachelor's um, in sports medicine um, with a concentration in athletic training, and then went to Western Michigan University for a master's degree, went like a full year, kind of started in the summer and ended in the summer. So it was like four semesters. Are they the Cowboys? Uh, Broncos. 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 Okay. Yeah. Central Michigan, I think is the Chippewas. If so I remember Karen went to Central. Okay. And then her um, cousin's husband went to Western. All right. I love Kalamazoo is a great city. It's very, a uh, little bit eerie-ish, but like yeah. kind of like that more Midwest, a little bit laid back more. Um, but it was a great time, but it was a full, just one year. Um, and then I stopped at Mercier's to say hi to Brad Jacobson. See what's going on. He said, well, we think we'll have a position, a position open next year. And I'm like, okay. And here I am all these years, years later. I was actually hired by UPMC, which was Hammett back then as a clinical athletic trainer, but assigned to Mercyhurst is where I worked. And I think about three or four years in, I became a Mercyhurst employee. And since then. So yeah. we're talking early to mid nineties till current. Yeah, right? it would have been like 89. So I went like 88 to 80 like so i graduated in 88 and then i came back actually in the fall of 89 wow yeah i've so. been there forever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do they have any like statues of stu- uh, sue no no up yet? not no, yet i'm still not the oldest well, like been there the longest and stuff there's some professors like, how long's brad been there he got there i think a couple years before so like 82 81 i just okay. do you remember daryl georger 
He taught in hospitality management. I don't. Uh, yeah. So I was talking to him today and he was, he jokes around with me, but he was there a couple years before me, 82. Is he still there? Yeah, he's still there. Wow. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Yep. G- good time. So, um, you know, you, you have a, a family, you have two mm-hmm. kids. Yeah. You were uh, down in Pittsburgh, was it last weekend? Yeah. Yeah. For- so, yeah, my son's a Green Bay Packers fan, and my daughter just got married October 7th. So now her Congratulations. husband. Yeah, it was awesome. Her and her husband, Dylan, is a Pittsburgh fan. So my son, Bowden, and Dylan um, went to the game, and then, because it was Packers and Steelers, and then my daughter and I just kind of bummed around, you know, outside of Pittsburgh and stuff. And Go shopping? Or- a little bit, yeah. But just, it was nice to hang around with her and not have to worry about wedding stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. So just to like kind of chill and relax. And I think she was kind of still a little brain dead from, from the wedding and just letting her brain rest, which was which was good. So when does she get married? October 7th. She got married. Oh, she she already. Yes. Oh, wow. So, so like we're. Is, yeah. Yeah. They've been married for. Did they do a honeymoon yet or? No, they are. They live in Altoona um, and they are renovating their house. So they're doing, wow. they've been together since, let's see, seven years since she was a senior in high school. Okay. So she's 24 and. Um, what is her name again? Taylor. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So she, they, yeah, they got married October 7th and no honeymoon right now because they're renovating and then found out they need to put a new roof on their house in the middle That's of the expensive. room. expensive. Yes. So they're pretty logical that way. Um yeah, which is good. Awesome. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. So um, we talked a little bit before we kind of went on the air here about kind of the format. Sure. So um, kind of a mutual interview. Mm-hmm. So I always let my guests have the opportunity to go first. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's harder <laughs> asking the questions or, or getting asked the questions, but yep. three business questions, then three personal, then we'll, we'll turn the table. Okay. Well, I think this is business wise. So when you were at Mercyhurst, you majored in athletic training, mm-hmm. um, sports medicine, athletic training. What were the pros and cons when you left Mercyhurst to go on like to medical school and everything of having an undergraduate degree or having that experience as an athletic training student? So, you know, when I was at Mercyhurst, my goals was, was never to be a orthopedic surgeon. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was planning to go into chiropractic school. And so I always really, really liked the musculoskeletal system. Yep. That was kind of my passion. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just happened to be taking the classes that I took pre-med classes as well mm-hmm. so that I would be able to get into uh, chiropractic school. Yep. Lo and behold, ended up at Michigan State during a spring break trip with Greg Beato and yep. met uh, Greg Coppola, who was up there. He yep. was a fellow at the time and <laughs> uh, literally was one of those light bulbs that went off that my um, plans changed. And yes. I was like, I want to become an osteopathic physician. So um, when I got into osteopathic medical school, I can tell you that um, – hands down the, the anatomy background that I had, mm-hmm. the, the understanding of the musculoskeletal background, background, the kinesiology that we took, um, all of the the special kind of orthopedic exams, um, even going into residency, I was, I was so far ahead mm-hmm. uh, from my kind of fellow classmates because we'd been there. We had done that and yeah. the clinical knowledge, right? So it's right. not just like book stuff. Um, and I also think just the, the work ethic, right? Yeah. So, a lot of people, when they think about athletic training, they don't realize like how many hours yeah. athletic trainers put in. Um, I mean, you're there at least an hour before every practice. Mm-hmm. You're there at least an hour after every practice. You're not traveling on every road trip as a student, but quite a few of them, depending yep. upon the sport that you've been assigned. Um, and then you have to do all your classes too. So it's like having playing a sport 
every single season. Yes. Um, <laughs> along with a very full academic like caseload. Mm-hmm. So um, it, you know, you kind of learned how to budget your time. You, you had to. And if you, mm-hmm. if you weren't, you weren't going to do well, right? right? Either with your clinicals or with your, your classes. So I think just my uh, understanding of, like I said, the anatomy, the physiology, the kinesiology, and then the overall work ethic and, and how to budget time really set me up for success going into medical school because medical school was, it was volume. It, yes. I don't want to say it wasn't the information and the classes weren't difficult, the subject matter, but it was just like literally trying to drink from a fire hydrant where mm-hmm. you're just, it's just getting shoved down your throat. Yeah. That's so. what I've heard. It's just like. 500 PowerPoint slides, learn them all. <laughs> yep. And you got a test next Monday. Yes. So. <laughs> Very true. Well, that's cool because again, that athletic training piece is such a broad and it does, it prepares you because you have to do so much more than most undergrad kids have to do. And, and two, like being assigned with athletes and with mm-hmm. different sports, you had to start to work on your interpersonal communication skills, yes. right? Like how many times have you met physicians where they probably never learned that? And, um, it's, it's a struggle for them to be able to sit and talk to somebody and, you know, put their hands on somebody. And and that was the other thing too, is like, I'm blown away how many times I see orthopedic surgeons that don't really do a physical exam. Yes. And I'm just like, seriously, how how do you know if the ligaments are uh, lax or not? And, um, it just major steps are sometimes skipped. Yeah. I remember learning that from Dr. Rogers, um, Vince Rogers. Yeah. I've heard a lot about him at Hammett. And I, we, at that time I worked at Hammett and I was down there and he would look at the residents and ask them a question and he'd wait, give them time. And then he'd look at me as the athletic trainer. He'd say, Sue, can you answer this question? Like the first and second year residents. He'd like, can you answer this for them? And I'd be like, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> but he was just great. Like he's same thing. Like you got to put your hands on, you got to learn, you got to, you know, tests are great. But that relationship you build with your patient by that being able to actually put your hands on and being able to identify structures and say, is this mm-hmm. where your pain is kind of thing then the trust is built from there. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right. Next what question. Uh, um, what made you, because hmm, it seems like it is a goal of yours to make sure that people stay physically active throughout your life. Like, where did that importance come to you? Because you could have been a surgeon and been an orthopedic surgeon fixing ACLs and all that, but why that need to like lifelong activity for people? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was just, kind of my upbringing, right? I was yeah. always playing sports. Um, all my sisters were playing sports. All my friends were playing sports. Again, going into athletic training, so you're around athletes. So you're seeing these physically fit people. And to me, I would say probably two or three years into my practice. So 2011, 2012, mm-hmm. um, I really started noticing just how um, impactful bad decisions were making on people's yeah. lives, right? with comorbidities, whether it was obesity, mm-hmm. whether it was smokers, whether it was malnourished people that maybe aren't necessarily obese, but they're malnourished. Right. Um, diabetics. Yes. You know, all the, just that, that multifactorial, um, bad decision-making that can, can lead to a lot of downstream consequences mm-hmm. within the musculoskeletal system, but also other things. Right. So I always call it poor protoplasm. So I can see a patient mm-hmm. and, you know, you're talking to them like, do you have any of these d- diseases? Yes. And I'll say yep. heart disease, lung disease, kidney. They're like, nope, I'm I'm perfectly healthy. And I look and they've got edematous ankles yeah. with chronic venous stasis, skin changes, just poor circulation. And they're just 
their lymph system is not functioning. Mm-hmm. And I can just say, man, this is, it's, I, I can smell badness yes. with them. So it was very evident to me that if I wanted to be doing these elective surgeries, joint replacement surgeries, that it was very important that I needed to help emphasize the importance of overall lifelong health, right? So not just, hey, let me cut you open, put metal mm-hmm. plastic in you and make you feel better, but let's modify some of these uh, lifestyle habits that you have, whether, again, it's smoking or how they're eating, what they're eating, and yeah. then really trying to get their diabetes under control. And to me, a lot of times you can cure it just yes. by you know weight loss and, and proper nutrition and, and diet. Yeah, that lifestyle medicine piece is becoming fine, finally coming. Yeah, functional medicine, lifestyle medicine. Yes. Is one of my really good buddies, he's a trauma orthopedic surgeon. He's a couple okay. years younger than me. Yep. We were partners in Michigan for a year, but his name is Blake Miller. Blake, huge shout out to you. He just started kind of a functional medicine slash lifestyle medicine. Cool. Um, he's in, is he in Saginaw? Um, he's in Michigan. Um, he's on the Western side there. Okay. But um Karen, he gets she gets his emails and his newsletters right. every week, and she shares them. With, I'm just really proud of him because yeah. he's doing some amazing things with with that type of stuff. And you've got Greg Coppola doing very yes. similar things. Yeah, yeah, and that's what even at the college level now talking to students about lifestyle medicine and how lifestyle choices. A lot of times, the choices that you start to make now are choices that can last your whole life. So trying to bring that up with them as they just kind of look at you. And I'm like, you know, I said, well, what are you going to do to deal with your stress when you're 40 years old? I said, what are you doing now? Well, having a few drinks here and there. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, what other coping strategies do you have to deal with stress? And they just kind of stare at, stare at you. Yeah, because, I mean, let's be honest. You can get away with that when mm-hmm. you're younger. And um, you may think, well, it's easy to blow off some steam by having right. a couple drinks or whatever it may be, right? Yep. Some type of chemical to yes. kind of help them cope. And um, you know, the more I, I think about not, not just like your physical health, but your mental well being yeah. too, right? Like being able to talk, being able to communicate openly mm-hmm. with people. I have a, a life coach that I've, I've worked with I've for heard, almost yeah. three years now. And, yep. uh, Allison, I know she, yep. she tunes in every once in a while. <laughs> She's amazing. She recently just relocated down to Savannah, Georgia, but okay. we still talk almost every couple of weeks That's and great. she works with my staff, um, on a regular basis every Wednesday. And, um, yeah, just huge shout out to that too, because you can be physically healthy, but if you're not mentally and emotionally healthy as well, mm-hmm. um, it's hard to stay on track and, and, and keep those good habits rolling. Yeah. That's something I'm working on right now as a life coach certification. Really? Yeah. It's been really interesting, the behavior modification piece of it, because it's the total difference of like in athletic training or as a physician, everything is like, oh, how do I fix this? Right. And I'm, I'm the one that's going to help fix this for you. And you have to like flip the grid basically. I'm like, okay, the person it's all patient centered and what their abilities are and being able to capitalize on there and let them kind of lead the way, but you kind of guide them along the path. Where where are you learning this or where are you? um, I'm using, it's the American college of exercise. So ACEs. um, And so, and then I'm working towards, I've done the bigger ones. So working towards like the national certification um, and wellness coaches. So, cause it's something I want to bring to the college campus. Yeah. Um, the counseling center, like they're, they're busy all the time on campus. So let's figure out some of the, the needs basically that are more, some basic stress, stress management that can be like time management skills, um, healthy relationships, all that kind of piece. Um, and also the, Oh boy, we've got, we've got a visitor. Hello there. (laughs) So this is the first time we've had a dog visitor. Uh, this is Gigi, our golden doodle. Hi Gigi. How are you? 
That's okay. <laughs> come on, come on in. Here, let me let me get up. We we have tea coming our way. Aww, so very nice. So. Thank you. Very nice. Thank you. Gigi's like, I'm all in for that. Uh, I think we're okay. Yeah. Thank right. you. Thank you, Karen. So lavender chamomile tea. So cheers, That's Sue. delicious. Cheers. Thanks again for, for Thanks coming. Thanks for inviting me. Not my usual Monday night, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Good Monday night football game on tonight, too. So. The uh, who's who's playing tonight? The Eagles no. and the it's uh the Chiefs. The Chiefs. I was gonna say yeah. it's gotta be Kansas City Chiefs yeah. and somebody. Yeah, so it's gonna be a good game tonight. Cool. But um so I, I love the fact that you're doing that yeah. and trying to incorporate that into the Mercier's kind of culture. Yeah. And do you see that getting into like the the sports medicine? I do. Um, some of the student athletes, I already kind of work with them. Uh, you know, some of the coaches are like, well, I'm not sure if you know, go to, need to go to the counseling center. Why don't you go see Miss Sweeney football, especially like I'm Miss Sweeney to them or Miss Sue. Um, so a lot of times they come and we just kind of talk about, you know, what's going on and, you know, um, how they can kind of help themselves a little bit more. I'm really big on the idea of like, hey, what, what can you do? We've gotten, I think, into a society of what can you do for me or I'm not, you know, not helping ourselves as much and trying to empower the students and these young 18 to 24 year olds to kind of realize that they have the ability to overcome obstacles and they have the opportunities there. It's just kind of stepping forward into it. It's that mm-hmm. um, that un- we talk about that uncomfortableness, yeah. you know, um, kids today do not like that. They don't like being uncomfortable. Um, so one of my colleagues was talking about a book called, I think it's called the comfort, comfort crisis kind of thing. You've heard of it. Yeah. That idea in that, that it's almost like you go and when you get into an uncomfortable situation, it becomes almost like a crisis mode rather than, okay, this is going to be uncomfortable, but I'm going to step into this and I'm going to be okay. So it's kind of teaching that along the way. Yeah, I mean, I don't know of too many people that really look forward to uncomfortable no. m- moments. Yeah, but um, I would personally say that, you know, I dread them when they're when they're coming up. But um, on the other side, I feel like they're the the moments where I've um, grown the most, yeah. learned the most. The growth mindset yeah. piece of that. I'm just talking to my. I still teach one class, a human growth and development class, and we were talking about that today. Of, you know, you can choose to kind of not engage in the situation but when you engage in what you learn from it sometimes it is you know the difficult the difficult parts of things because we did every day I start the class with a a question um today it was what are you grateful for because Thanksgiving coming up and they're like friends and family friends and family I'm like okay stop I'm like let's be a little bit more specific and it was neat how the conversation what were some of the best answers you got or most genuine I guess uh, one of my students said, like, I'm thankful for being able to go to college. And I'm like, okay, can you explain more? She's like, I'm one of seven children. Um, and I asked her, I go, you first generation? Yes. And she's the first out of seven kids. And she's the youngest that's had an opportunity to go to college. That's pretty impressive, especially with this age group. Yes. Too, right. I mean, because I feel like you don't find that no. too much anymore. Like, yep. it's usually 
at least second generation yeah. or oftentimes more. But yeah, yeah. So it was it was cool to see that, and it was kind of eye opening to students that you could tell in their family it was just a normal rite of pas- passage. Yeah, you, you got after high school, you go to college. Yeah, right? it's the next step. Yes, and she's also doing ROTC. She, you know, and it's just it was cool to see. Like I. It's one of those things that it was a learning process kind of for, for everyone. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of a cool thing to see that happen. And I do that every class is because it takes that uncomfortable moment away. Because you go through the entire class? Entire class. How many students per? Uh, 25, 25 to 30, depending on the day. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's everything. What's your favorite color? Um, it can be we ask middle names, you know, favorite, you know, f- movie that you've watched multiple times. Um, but then we ask like, who's your role model, you know, a little bit more serious questions, yeah. but it's a way to break the ice. But then for them to also know that they all of a sudden we do favorite Halloween costume when you were a little kid. And all of a sudden you have like five Ninja Turtles in the room. So they're immediately connected. Yeah. So try to create some type of connection. Very cool. Yeah. It's a class that's become, it's one of my favorite things. Is it's that a, the human growth and development? Yeah. But mm-hmm. I've named it now developing humans. Okay. <laughs> it's the class. <laughs> so it is. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to teach. There's not the stress of I got to make sure I get every, you know, muscle origin insertion action, every special test. Um, but it's cool. We go from like birth to death. O-A-I-N, right? Yeah. Well, oh, man. Yes. I actually love that. Because so that was I. how my brain worked. Yes. Um, I was very anatomy based. And yes. it was just like that stuff just made sense to me. Yeah. The chemistry is not not so much. Yeah. As much Had to as work that. At that. Yeah. yeah but I love origin insertion action and being able to think of how the body works and how it's connected and I think the last 15 years of sports medicine has been so cool of how we've really the kinetic chain and mm-hmm. not just thinking everything moving basically forwards and yeah, backwards. Just sagittally, right? It's, yeah. it's so complex. Yes. And now having like a frontal, like different planes that we move through and why that's so important. Uh, I just think it's, it's cool. You know who I've started working with as um, um, Tyler Travis. Yeah, I just saw him at lunch today. Really? We, yeah, I brought helped bring him on board and stuff more as our like because he's our strength and condition director of our strength and conditioning. Do you know Kyle Mihook? No. So he works uh, under Tyler. Okay. He actually started coming and training Karen and I. Oh, okay. In awesome. uh, January, my yeah. my new word for this, one of my new words for this year was wellness. Yes. Right? So I wanted to focus on wellness throughout everything for yeah. me. But um, so Karen and I, we we work with Kyle. It's funny because Kyle is a lot younger. He's like 22. Yeah. <laughs> and went to our church oh, okay. where I grew up. So he's he went to Maplewood. Very so he's cool. like a, a yeah. um, hometown kid. Yep. I know, knew him from, you know, just watching him grow up. And um, he comes here a couple of days a week now. That's cool. So, yeah. But yeah, Tyler set up a nice program for us to kind of work on everything that you're talking yeah. about. Right. And it's, it's a lot of like functional stuff. Right. Like suitcase carry and not, it's not just your standard just um free no. weights and things like that so it's, yeah the things that you don't realize that everything engages mm-hmm. you know it engages the core it engages keeps it's a you lot better, of core stuff posture like that whole posture piece like the students i'm on them all the time because we're this is we're like the turtle like and all that like when you know well, yeah over, I, that I, you gotta remind me right now i mean because <laughs> i'm horrible but it's yep. it's part of my job right it's occupation where you're, you're bending over and, and i catch myself daily mm-hmm. just always crunched yep. like this kind of yep. looking down into a wound yeah so yeah. Well, what else um oh i'm trying to think i had a couple other questions in that when it came to like job wise like 
ever like when what's it feel like when you're stumped and you're not quite sure in your in your role because I feel like you're supposed to have all the answers uh, like in surgery yeah so um there's so much of what we what I do that's very very redundant like yep. I, I do two surgeries yeah hip replacement knee replacement yeah and, and and I'm not saying this to make it sound like I have the because I don't have all the answers but you've almost always been in a situation right like that before there was one time that I can remember recently within yep. the past six months um where by far and away this the most scared I've ever been in my entire life yep professionally personally either and I was doing a knee replacement and um literally I, the, the the back of the knee was 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 bleeding it was dark yeah. blood so I knew it was venous blood yeah it was an older gentleman late 80s and um I was just like all right I'm not a vascular surgeon yeah I, I but I was like I need to get this under control so right. it was I, um Sue though the thing that got me through that was was prayer quite honestly uh -huh. I um it it was one of those moments I had visitors too in the OR Oh, which you know I have periodically, yeah. yep. but um, it, it was just one of those. All right, this is crunch time, right? Yep. So, said some prayers, just did good classic technique, and I was just yep. thinking about how would Doctor Lombardi handle this? How would Doctor Barron handle this? Some of my mentors surgically, yes. and um, quite honestly, though, I think the power of prayer was really what got me through it more than anything else. And um, came home, and you want to talk about emotions coming out. I, uh, I remember I, la I just came home and I was like, Karen, I can't even talk. And I laid yeah. down on my bed and my three boys knew that I was, I was hurting. Yep. And cause I didn't know what, what was going to happen to this gentleman. I had to actually transfer him wow. to a higher acuity hospital. Yep. And I, I reached out to the vascular surgeon. Fortunately, everything was fine. There was, it was a small branch, um, off the popliteal vein okay. that, um, was, he had super, uh, calcified vessels and okay. when I translated his tibia anteriorly and almost plucked, plucked it, it. Yeah. off of the off of the main vein yep. and it, it was just like you're trying to coagulate a vessel that's sclerotic so like it's not like it's contracting or right and um, fortunately the vascular surgeon called me and said hey you, you didn't cut anything it pulled off he goes it clotted right um, he's fine no no need for any surgical intervention right but that was about the hardest four or five hours that I've yeah. had because I was worried. Yeah. And um, my boys saw me like not trying to get super emotional here, but I, I was, I was in tears oh, Sure, and, and my yeah. wife knew how much I was hurting because I just, I didn't know if I hurt this guy. Yeah. And I, I was just thinking like, Oh my God, I just hope his, his leg's going to be okay. I hope he's going to be okay. Right. And um, I've seen him. He's, I saw him probably three or four weeks ago, actually. He came in for his six-month follow-up. Okay. He's doing great. Um, you know, but again, it was just one of those moments that... So I, I wouldn't say it was one of those stumped moments, but it was one of those, like, challenging, challenging yeah. moments yes. where I was just yep. like, I hope I can get through this. Yeah. It's really so. neat that a lot of just being around physicians in a lot of years and that wouldn't share something like that as openly. No, I mean, which I think is, is, is cool that you're willing to like, yeah, we're yeah. human. Right. Yeah. And to yep. think that we don't have those issues or yeah. potential complications, is just like not being honest. Yeah. So not easy to yep. talk about, but I've talked about it enough with my close friends. It's just like, why not? Yeah. Right. It doesn't mean you're a bad surgeon or, yep. or this or that. Cool. So.
Personal stuff? Personal stuff. What brings you joy? I'm a big that there's a difference between joy and happiness. Uh, spending time with those I love. Yeah. So whether it's my 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 family, like my parents, uh, sisters, their yeah. their families. Obviously, my nuclear family here with yep. Karen and the boys, my in-laws. I have a great relationship with uh, Jim and Mary. Yep. And um, traveling. I really, really enjoy traveling. I love culture. Um, we've done a lot of it, and we're going to do a lot more of it. We spent two weeks in Italy with, yeah, a, with a the year Beatos. ago. Yeah, with the Beatos yeah. and, and Susan Gonham <laughs> yep. slash Beato. Yep. And uh, their two boys. And uh, so we're going to go to Greece next year because Karen's Greek. Okay. And we're going to go with her family. So wow. Um, we do a lot of hiking. We found Sedona as our new, like happy place on earth. Yeah. So we've been there the past two Easter's. We're going again this Easter and, um, we wake up really early. We go hiking every morning and we do really nice dinners at night. So, Very cool. um, I just like being active and, yeah. and getting out and honestly just like seeing God's creations. And that's why to me hiking so nice because you're out. Yes. And you're seeing just the, like the beautiful mountains, the, the, the fresh air in your lungs. Yeah. And I just, I'm in awe when I'm, when I'm anywhere. It doesn't have to be in Sedona, but like you're just seeing the trees, the colors, the smells, uh, the animals. It's uh, to your, me, it's your mindfulness work. Yeah. And gra- like, yeah, that gratitude. Sometimes we forget, we forget that and that, you know, to be happy. It, it, One of the students today in, great, in the gratefulness said, like, I'm just grateful for the sunshine today. It yeah. just makes oxygen, a difference. Right. Just to oxygen yeah. in my lungs. Yeah. And um some people it may bother them or, or scare them, but like I like looking up at the star- stars at night too and just being like, I am so small. Yeah. And, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but like really insignificant. Yeah. Right. Like yep. like I am just a speck of sand on a beach yep. in, in terms of like time and this and that. That doesn't mean I'm unimportant or that the other specks of sand around me are unimportant. It's just like wow, there's so much more out there and previous and to follow. Yeah. So I think when sometimes we make things bigger in life than what they are, because we assume that everything we do affects and a lot of things we do affect other people. But a lot of times, like if you can control the controllables and control what you're doing, everything else will kind of ripple out from there. Yeah. There's nothing that Ryan Molly is going to do or Sue Sweeney is going to do. That's going to like, probably like end the earth or anything yeah. like that. So it's like, <laughs> what I mean is like, it's almost comforting, right? Yeah, Cause it's just like, yeah. it's going to be okay. Yes. Like my tr- troubles that seem so big at the moment, yes. it's just like looking around. I'm like, yeah, this isn't that big. Yeah. This isn't that big of a deal. No. And I, I do, I think a lot of times because between social media and just the world we live in, everything gets amplified so mm-hmm. much that sometimes just like kind of step back, take a breath and realize and stuff that you're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. Um, trying to teach my boys that too, because it's just like these things happen at school. I'm like, all right, I'm not trying to minimize this, but like, trust me in five years and 10 years, you're Mm going to look back on this. You probably don't remember it. Yeah. But in that moment, you know, and they're so worried about what everyone else, what's going on with everyone else. What people think of them. Yes. Yeah. I guess that, this question's gone through my head and I didn't, I'm like, okay, am I going to ask Ryan this? What are your thoughts about like your kids growing up in the digital world and technological world of today and the effects of that? Well, um, it's interesting timing because, um, we, we have three young boys and they are, our oldest is by far and away the most, um, I'm just going to use the word addicted to kind of technology. Mm -hmm. And we really try to do our best to limit screen time, whether it's his iPad, whether it's 
PlayStation. Um, like he had a PlayStation that we had down in our like theater room yep. that was a family PlayStation. I never had a video game growing up yep. ever. <laughs> and um, somehow it ended up in his bedroom for the past couple months. Oh, and it's not in his bedroom anymore. <laughs> yeah. So and that was like the hardest thing for him to grasp. Yes. Why he can't have that in his bedroom? I'm like, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. And yeah, tried to talk to him about like dopamine surges and yeah. like screen time and you know i'll have to send you there's a cool like little five minute video and it's done like by one of the and the way they do it is like cartoon drawings and stuff and that but they ta- it shows how the brain is rewired basically compared it's scary it, is. it really is scary yeah. because i mean these kids they get these highs right yep. and my youngest son i mean they all are on their ipads oh, um, yeah. do- doing stuff and playing yeah. games and this and that but it's just like they're like in their own little zone and world and mm-hmm. you take it away and it's just like they, they go into meltdown mode. Yes. So yeah, um, I'm very blessed and, and fortunate that I didn't grow up in that era, but mm-hmm. on the same flip side, now we have the ch- uh, challenges, excuse me, uh, Karen and I to hopefully raise our boys. And I will say um, our boys are very, very active. They're yeah. always outside. Like before you came over, we were actually outside shooting yeah. a play crossbow. Okay. Um, <laughs> and they play tons of sports. So um, for kids their age, I would say that they actually are on technology less, but still more than I would like. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard balance in today's mm-hmm. world because it is like the idea, like I remember, well, so I have an 18 year old son and that, and I would say, you know, get off, you know, get off your game now. And he'd be like, well, mom, I'm in the middle of a game. And one day he came down like, mom, like if I was outside playing basketball and I, there was like 30 seconds or two minutes left in the game, would you tell me to get off? The, and I'm like, or stop playing the game. And I'm like, oh, okay. Cause he's with his friends on there. And I said, but when two minutes are up, then there's not another 10 minutes after that. Type, yeah, you we're know not going I mean? to overtime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so try and it is, it's, it's a challenge. It is a challenge because sitting in the classroom, like you would probably, I don't know. Have you taught in a college, like anywhere to college classroom? In no, not, not oh, especially recently. after COVID. Like it's, they got so used to being able, like always being on their computers. Every kid comes from a high school that either has Chromebooks or iPads now because we didn't use any paper during that time. And then they all have their phones with them. So it like in the classroom, it used to be like, you'd have one kid with their computer open and they were almost embarrassed by it because it was because they had a learning differences and they needed it for note taking or something. Yeah. Now it's like half the class have their computers on and you know that there's notifications coming or there's games coming and I would have a really hard time with that. It's hard. I, and me old school, me and that, like I, and I'm, and I tell them like the only reason I'm getting on, on you this for this is because I care. You know, I always try to reference that because I need you to be engaged. I need, you know, and if you don't pay attention now while I'm talking, when you go to study, it's going to be 10 times as hard because you, you weren't, you're going to be like, I don't remember her talking about this. Well, it's because you weren't really here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we have these conversations all the time. And sometimes they look at me and just are like, oh, here she goes again. But it's like two thirds of the way through the semester, all of a sudden the light bulb goes off and they're like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I see it a little bit more with, cause I don't like necessarily teach in a college setting, but right. like my employees, yes. just their phones and social media throughout the day. And it's just like, there's two sides to that. Number one should be focusing on the patients and there's, yep. and, and they're the same people that are telling me that we need more employees because yeah. they're overworked. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I noticed that you were on Facebook and yeah. this and that. And then, yeah. um, 
Yeah, it's just like I'm not paying you to be on social media. Yeah, and, and I and I have great employees. I'm not I'm not yeah, slamming anybody. But, but it's but, it's definitely the world they've been brought up in. Yeah, and is acceptable. Um, because I I talk to the student athletes a lot about sleep and you know getting different like how to go to sleep easier how to again um unplug from social media so like at least a half hour to an hour beforehand put your phone away and turn your notifications off and they just look at me and i'm like well you can have it set so that your mom your dad or the emergency phone calls and texts still come come in but set your phone on the other side of the room and they're like well why i said because all day long your program check my phone check my phone check my phone and now you expect to put your phone down away six inches from your head and be able to go to sleep in 10 minutes or yeah. 15 minutes. And they're, just, they're like, oh, I'm like. <laughs> do, do you have a television in your bedroom? We do, yeah. Because I've had a good buddy of mine, Matt, He, him and his wife took the television out of their yeah. room too. And I've I've considered doing that, but like, I don't know. I I do turn it off. It's not like I generally fall asleep yeah. with it on, but like it, it on sometimes kind of helps me my husband being a contractor is always around noise so i think almost that for him he falls asleep with the tv on all the time but i think he just needs always noise like he was putting in the hardwood floors like i was almost in tears because the like the jarring noise and he's like what's wrong and he's because he's just so used to it yeah but um we have the tv on but i always turned it off like it's on for a few minutes and then i turn it off to go to sleep but he's just used to living in living in noise Mm -hmm. It's comforting to him, (laughs) but it is like trying to tell them that there's research out about like phantom notifications. Like a lot of times people check their phone, but there's really no notification there. So it's almost like it's, it's like a buzzer going off in your head. Wow. Yeah. Craziness. Yeah. Like I have to, I try and do the research and read about it. So when I talk to them about it, like I'm like in this research study, it's, it says, here's this showing this. Because I don't want them to just think that I'm being that, you know, being mom. Because yeah. I do get the Mama Sue thing once in a while. And Well, I mean, we grew up in a just, a, I think, a much simpler we time. Did. I yeah. mean, I remember when I was at Mercyhurst, like, we just got the internet. And yeah. I would have to go down to the <laughs> library, down of old, the ba- or not yeah. the library, but old the basement Main. of Old Main. Still, the computer lab is still there. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, these were the big old boxy computers. Yeah. And I'd be like, all right, sweet. I'm going to check my email. And I'd have like 10 minutes to go before it would load up. So I'd go somewhere yeah. and come back and um, and it'd come up. And I'm like, oh, man, this can't get any better than this. No. <laughs> and now, like, yeah, when you used to hear the like the sound and stuff of the like AOL, like, you've got you, mail yes. or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But now you don't like if it doesn't connect like right away. Like I had a girl today that she thought her computer crashed on her and stuff. Like I looked over and I'm like, are you OK? And she's just like, yeah. And she like closed her computer. And I'm like, is everything? Because she usually takes notes on her computer, which she actually does do that. And she opened it up again. I'm like, what's wrong? And she goes, I think my computer crashed. I'm like, just let it sit for a few seconds and <laughs> give it more she's than like, a split I'm give second. Give me this thing. It's called paper yes, and a pen. <laughs> I know they don't. They don't like that. The other day in class, we did fine motor movement. So I have them I actually let them color in class. But we do things with their have them write with their non dominant hand. Um, and so the kind of the idea of you have to use your brain to like, think about this now, yeah. you know, we talked about cursive writing, how that's, oh, yeah, that's and like that, a- <laughs> that breaks my heart. Cause that's like your personality, like mm-hmm. is your signature. How many, how many note like in your notes in high school and college had your signature there. So when yeah. you were rich and famous, you could, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sure. when you were a rock star or famous athlete and that you'd be able to like sign your autograph. I just think about like, cause I used to obviously take a lot of notes and undergrad, yeah. but med school too. And yep. I've been doing note cards. Like 
if I write now, mm-hmm. and I'm using my hands all the time, yeah. but it's different. Yes. If I write and I try to like just write a card out, like a thank you card, yeah. like my wrist and hand hurt after oh, writing yeah. one card. <laughs> I can't imagine like if I were to have to go back to school, I and mean, you would get used to yeah. it again, but. Yeah, we talk about that, like with muscle memory and how what's it like during the summer when you don't because most of them do, don't do any writing during the summer at their yeah. summer jobs. And then when you come back and what your notes look like that first two weeks of class, they look like, you know, you're just starting to learn to write again because your hand forgot how to do it. I look back at some of my stuff when I was in like, again, my mom saved all that stuff. So elementary school, I'm like, wow, I used to have like nice printing. Yeah, yeah <laughs> not <away>. anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. So shall so. we flip the, sure. the the table here? So sure. um, I'll do some business stuff first, then we'll yeah. go into the personal questions. So okay. uh, business-wise, was there like an individual uh, for you growing up that really got you kind of intrigued in, you know, whether it was athletic training or the musculoskeletal system that, like, why did you choose that? Honestly, I was all set to go to Canisius for medical technology um, and play volleyball there on a scholarship. And then I opened up, it used to be called, oh, I don't remember, it was an Erie paper, but there was an advertisement for Mercier Sports Medicine and athletic training. And I'm like, oh, this looks really cool. (laughs) So applied and ended up, that's, yeah, I always played sports. Like I played, you know, every sport in high school, again, small school, I water skied, I did. So I always fought it found it intriguing. My grandfather was a veterinarian. My mom was a nurse. Um, but yeah, and I always wanted to, um, I always been big on prevention, I think in risk assessment. Mm -hmm. And I felt like athletic training was a a kind of lent. I didn't know it then, but now I go back and, um, I don't have no problem dealing with emergency situations in that, but I, I'm a big, like observant person. And I like want to know how I can stop something bad from happening. I think that's how my brain works. And the mm-hmm. same thing with injuries. You know, Did you play a sport at Mercyhurst? I played volleyball for two years. And then when you gra- I graduate, like on a yearly basis, when I went to school, we had over like 2,000 clinical hours. Mm-hmm. So it was really hard to do anything else. But like Brad, no, and no offense to Brad, but Brad would be home on his couch. And, and I, you'd be as a student by yourself covering volleyball you know, until 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And that was just the way it was like, cause he worked all day and covered everything and students could be by themselves doing things. And yeah. it was really hard to play a sport much more than two years. Yeah. So, so I guess what is your, you've transitioned a little bit yeah. from when yep. I um, was at Mercierst yep. uh, 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, I graduated 2001. So wow. over, over 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah. I remember, you know, they just kind of done the, that new classroom yep. downstairs. Yes. Yep. And uh, since then, you've gotten the new classrooms upstairs, which have even been renovated since then. I've, Correct. I yep. think I've heard. Yep. But when did you transition kind of from the athletic training piece over to, are, are you kind of admin now? Or Yeah. Yes. When was that transition? So this would be, let's see, this is my first move. Five years ago, we wrote, or six years ago, we wrote a grant um, for the NCAA for a position for a health and well-being um, for assistant athletic director position. And I'd already been, there's a couple positions within the NCAA that we need as a faculty athletic rep. And I'd been the faculty athletic representative for the ath- for athletics, obviously, for about eight years. And then I was the healthcare administrator, which else was another role. So I'd been doing things in athletics and I found I was finding a lot of joy in that. Um, wrote the grant and we got the grant and I said, I'm going to apply for this. Um, I was ready to kind of get out of, 
I enjoy teaching greatly. I was tired of the administrative part. Um, when you're in an accredited program, you're just constantly jumping through hoops and, and yeah. athletic training. They've been changing, flipping hoops and changing hoops for every three years, it seemed like, and just got tired of recreating um, and was ready for a change. So yeah, so that was five years in athletics. And then this is my first year, more or less. This is the first time I've been on the other side of campus. So my office is in Egan now, um, oh, third wow. floor of Egan. Um, so under student life. Uh, so yeah, but the five years in athletics was very cool. Um, I did a lot of education awareness, um, with the athletes. And then also you had a, a part of a job was, um, a sport administrator or sports supervisor. So you had, I think I had seven sports that I kind of had oversight of their budgets and coaches and student athletes and just making sure that, you know, things ran smoothly or if there was issues to deal with helped with that. And then also took like proposals to the athletic director. So, hmm. so that, that, which was cool, but I loved the, I got to still teach, but I didn't have to check all the boxes kind of thing. I like, if I want to talk about this, let's do alcohol awareness, let's do hazing awareness, let's mm -hmm. do stress management. Um, and allowed me just to have conversations more than teaching. So what's your official title now? So now I'm campus health and well-being director. Okay. So you're not really in the athletics? No, no. I still do the education piece with them. So like in the fall, um, in the first six weeks, I do two meetings per team. Okay. Um, the first one's kind of a laundry list of all the NCA stuff we have to go through from mental health to supplements to drug testing, um, concussions, um, all of that. And then every year I do another topic. Like last year we did um, alcohol misuse and hazing. And then this year, um, it was stress management. Um, and I pay attention to the student athletes at the end of their seasons, they fill out a survey and we added like kind of, again, like a laundry list of all different topics and stress management was one of their top, I think it was their top one. So we decided that was a good, a good route to go. Awesome. So, so you've been at Mercier's now for, so 84, right? Yeah. Yeah. So coming up on yeah, almost 40 years 40 years yeah, yeah um you've seen a lot of changes administratively yeah um physically i mean yeah. even when i go to the campus i've been there half or was there half the time yeah but like i'm like i don't remember that building i don't remember that yeah. building but what would you say is your favorite thing about mercer's like the culture and um maybe some of the changes that you've seen from when you first arrived there as a mm -hmm. freshman to today when you're there almost 40 years later? I think it's always the ability to grow and change. I think from like, if I look at it as myself, like I've been given all these opportunities where I was a clinical athletic trainer, part-time faculty, clinical athletic trainer, then went to full-time faculty. You know what I mean? So I've been there for a long time, but I've really had like five different jobs that have all built on each other. I've been given the opportunity to be like, okay, here's my strengths. How can I use those? So I think that's really when you're at a small institution like that, like that ability to look to people and be like, wow, they're really good at this. How do I connect them? Right. Um, so I think Mercer is really good at like looking at people's strengths, you not using them, but allowing people to grow into them, mm -hmm. um, which I think is really neat. And that sense of community. There's just that was kind of, I think, a question I had for you. Like, what do you like when is at Mercyhurst? Besides the memories of all the fun like what was that thing about Mercyhurst that you kind of say like that was just really cool you know it, it, it's that community feel right yeah. so it, it's um and I think you can go to a lot of different schools yeah. uh and and have that feeling like I feel like if you asked somebody from Notre Dame right what, what is it it's that culture it's that feel it's that yeah. unity 
that's that community. Yeah. And I feel like I still, I run into these random people. Like I, I've had a couple um, orthopedic implant reps that, yep. hey, doc, you know, I was, yep. a, I played hockey at Mercyhurst or I did this <laughs> at Mercyhurst. And you almost feel like you have this instantaneous connection to these people. I was just going to say that when you do alumni, when we go for like um, the alumni um, national conventions for athletic training, you'll have people that graduated in like my time. And then you'll have someone that's a recent graduate and sit them down the table together. And they're like, look like they've known each other forever. There's just yeah. like this immediate connection. Yeah. And there's just that feel like when, when you're on that campus too. Um, I've been up there a couple of times in the past yeah. year for our boys and different baseball right. tryouts yep. and things that they've had. And it's just like, I'm just very proud yeah. of, of cool. having yeah. that opportunity. And yeah. I want to thank you. I want to thank Brad for giving me that opportunity in the, the sports medicine department. Yeah. Um, I mean, cause that, that is like, I've, I've over the past couple of years, I've really started focusing on that attitude of gratitude yeah. and um, not taking anything for granted. All of the opportunities that I've been given were, were blessings and um, trying to make the most of it. And just looking back on it, which is like, just warm, warm memories. Right. And I, I think about like the fun stuff. Um, you know, I had, I think you're my third, yeah. uh, Mercyhurst. <laughs> so I've had coach Joe Spano, now the athletic director, yeah. uh, John Melody, yeah. the former soccer coach and bar owner, restaurateur, now yeah. yourself. Um, definitely going to get Brad on here at some point. Nice. But, um, you know, we were just talking about just the memories of people. Yep. Well, Jared too. I mean, yeah. he's a, yep. um, Greg Beato is going to be on here. Oh, so. great. Susan's um, father has sent me a couple. He'll be watching this. Carrie, how you doing? Uh, he, he sends me a couple emails and just like, he's like, other than my mom, my wife, and my mother-in-law, he, he's like the most faithful fan. He's just wow. like, hey, I'd like to see this or I'd like to see that. Yeah. And, but um, the, the one, because uh, he was in my class, but Nick Potter, yep. um, you know, just some great, great, talented people have come out of there and done some yeah. amazing things. Yeah, we just uh, were trying to work with Nick. I think actually one of our students went down there. So I keep in touch with Nick. We actually had a call last year. We were talking about at um, Duke how they're doing more like, a, again, he does the physical, more the functional, almost like functional medicine yeah. uh, medicine side. But then they're also tracking sleep and nutrition and how he was developing this program so they could see that okay if someone has only slept this many hours like okay what how are they feeling coming to practice today yeah, which performance point, is going to be affected. right and how does that affect them physically so yeah we met last year with uh which was josh long who's now the program director for the athletic training program and the sports medicine chair i think i met him up honestly it was one yep. of the baseball the boys were trying for baseball up on the right. baseball field and he, I think he was doing football yeah. at the time. And yeah. I went up and saw you had an athletic training yeah. shirt on. I introduced yeah. myself to him. Yeah. Yeah. So it was neat in that. So the, it's, I would say every year there's every year, there's a few like alumni that we just kind of connect with. And it's neat because I can send an email to anybody. Like I said, to Nick, like I'll send an email to Nick, like Nick, I have a student that's interested in coming to Duke or they just need someone to talk to you. Will you, Sure, just send them my, you know, give them my cell phone number, have them call me and that. So I think that's one of the nicest things. There is that family and that idea and stuff like when you say like all the opportunities, but you also took advantage of those opportunities, yeah. not in a bad way, but in a great way. You're like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And same thing like Nick. I remember Nick sitting. He always had hip injuries, which is funny because that became his thing that he kind of, you know, hung his hat on and uh but I remember him sitting there going, well, I, I don't know. I got another year of eligibility because of injuries, but I got into Duke PT and I just looked at him and I'm like, 
Nick, <laughs> <laughs> opportunity here. Let, let's yeah. think about this kind of thing. And, but, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's been really neat to see you guys and to walk around and see names like Michelle Poland, who's a primary care doctor in Erie and does mm-hmm. women's medicine. She's a Mercy Hearst grad. You know what yeah. I mean? There's just people around that's, we don't, as much as we talk about being for Mercy Hearst, it's not like you, I don't know. There's also this quietness about who you are and where yeah. you're from. So, yeah. which is that humble part of it. But I, I'm, I'm very proud to be a Mercer Slinker. Yeah. And yep. uh, I'm, my sister was there too. Yes. So yeah. some great memories of going to watch her play yep. basketball there. They had a great team her freshman year. Went yes. to, um, you know, the Elite Eight. Yeah, I was with, with them. With Jim Webb, Yeah, right? North Dakota State. And, yeah. yeah. Yep, I was with uh, them. <laughs> Teresa Zumagala. Yeah. Yep. Um, Denise. Baginski. De- yeah, yep. Yeah, it was a great. Yeah, great they team. were great, and I like Denise and I just because she is married to Greg Fitzgerald, who I think it's Denise, right? Um, that played football for us. They live in Ohio, and she was messaging me on Facebook because she's a twin, right? Yep, Danielle. There's Danielle and Denise. Yeah, yeah, and but yeah, she was you know talking to me about her son and stuff, and that he was looking at Mercyhurst and. So it's neat. Like I'm not on social media probably more, but I love watching on Facebook like students from the past post and what they're doing and their kids and where and like it's just it's the neatest thing to watch and watch yeah. them evolve now being parents of high school kids that are athletes or young kids and that it's just it's really cool to see are there any things about Mercyhurst you know again changing the yeah. administration that you miss that again mm-hmm. not to be negative but just like no yeah um it's changed a lot, I guess, in the administration when it comes to what you, and it's not as much mercy or so it's just higher education as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's just changed. There's this push, like we talk, you hear a lot in higher ed, the enrollment cliff, like there's going to be, le- there's less and less kids graduating from high school and less and less kids means a smaller pool to recruit from. So there's this pressure in higher education that didn't exist and that's it everywhere. You know, and also people giving back, like when you see like a WVU, like consolidating like academic schools, like who would have ever thought, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that Um, during COVID when sports were dropped and people are like, how can this big school like, well, because if they're not filling their football stadium, they, they fund themselves. Like Ohio state athletics funds, Ohio state athletics. There's no tuition money that comes to them. You know, it's all basically by putting butts in the seats and selling gear. Um, Mm -hmm. And when that wasn't happening, but they're like coming out of COVID and the enrollment cliff, like higher education across the country is just a lot more pressure. And I think I miss that feeling of we're all in this together, student, like everything, you know what I mean? Everything's going to work out. It it is. It's just more pressure, I Mm -hmm. think, on everyone to retain to, you know, retaining students is a big part of it. Like when you get them there, there's less to recruit. So your numbers are maybe going to be a little bit smaller. So you've got to figure out a way to keep them all here. It must be, an extraordinary challenge. I know you're not necessarily in the classroom anymore, but you're still dealing with students Mm -hmm. on a daily basis, but just seeing the generations come through, right? Whether it's uh, the the generation X or the millennials or this or that, like they, they all behave differently. They think differently. They learn differently. Like how were you able to adapt to multiple generations with, with your interactions Mm. with them? I think you take courses on that or like <laughs> I read about it, you know, there's no, like, there's no doubt about that. Um, and we've done, you know, I've done a few presentations on like the generations and how they learn. But I think it's honestly them. I see the, when they understand that I'm 
doing teaching things and expectations or accountability pieces, it's because I honestly care. I don't think there's, you know, maybe there's probably a few kids out there that don't get that about me, but I, I, they know that I care about them. And if I'm asking them to kind of think a little bit differently, or I'm also adjusting how I present material to make sure I get it to them, um, I do. You just have to adjust to them. But I, when they know you care about them, it's they'll engage with you mm-hmm. um, because I think they have come through, especially probably in the last five years of just checking boxes and getting things done and a lot of high pressure and a lack of, I think, as much human contact, I think, in the school systems and that. I think COVID, it, it is. the, And it's not COVID, but it was the lack of interpersonal relationships yeah. it is you can just see it with the students like having asking a student to go talk to their faculty member like you never thought twice about that well they have a hard time of that interaction piece because they haven't done as much as what was expected of them because right. the opportunity wasn't there for them and then it was it is i think that hard that interaction piece is really hard and that's why if they know you care about them and like, that's why I'd like, I take that first five minutes of class and we do that little icebreaker once in a while we did meditation for a few weeks, but it was just that way to kind of break the ice to make everybody feel comfortable. And they're like, oh, okay, I'll be in this because she's in it yeah. kind of thing. So, but it, it's a learning process because they are very different and it's, it can be extremely frustrating. Oh, like when you're sitting there teaching and they're on their phone I would it, not deal well with that. It's, see, like, and they all look at me like I said, and I'll, and, and I have to get better because there's times and I tell them in the beginning, like if you're expecting a text or a phone call or you're worried or something comes in, it, that's okay. But to just be on your phone and be texting, but they literally, you can just see it, you know, and I, I've asked, and you them, don't want to have the box where like, put your phones in the box uh, on your way. In. I know <laughs> this one. I heard about this one teacher that has like the thing that goes over the door that your shoes go in like in an elementary school yeah. and they all go in and the they, phones. Yeah. And they all go, <laughs> you know, this is like in junior high, but how do we in college get kids when junior high through high school, they have their phones or they yeah. have an iPad. Like I, I wonder like in teaching human growth and development, there's some things we're doing the fine motor movement. And I go, the research on this is going to change because the writing, like the fine motor movement and all of that, it's going to go to all like keep, well, AI, hard. right? Yes. I mean, AI is going to write your papers for you now. Oh, it already does. Right? So I had, I, yeah, I had one student that handed a paper in, and I'm reading them. I'm like, this is not, these are not words that you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think the world of you, but these are not, this is not you. So I asked him, and I give him credit. He was honest, and he used some system that would take his words and actually put in better phrases or words for it. And wow. I'm like, is it please be authentic? be genuine, be who you are, because this, I looked at this and I'm like, this is not. Yeah. Well, at least he or she was honest, right? Completely. Like, it's funny. I had another kid, like he copied and pasted. I'm like, this, I I, I said to him, like, this isn't you. And he's like, I was in a rush. I didn't know what else to do. I panicked. And I'm, you know, so they were honest about it almost to like, yeah, it's just kind of what we do nowadays. (laughs) (laughs) deal not in this classroom you know no you know and but i like said to him i go what are you going to do when you have a project or you have something where you have to come up with a strategic plan or you have to develop something and you haven't used you you don't know how to put your own thoughts down and i find that more and more that kids don't know how to like write a length an email of more than two sentences 
because everything to them is through text, yeah. real short and brief. Like we have to teach kids to write emails nowadays. Yeah, in full words, not abbreviations. Yes. And hey, hey, I can't be in class today. <laughs> I'll Here. get those. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to teach them that. It is. It's just, it's a different world and it's frustrating. But then I like have to step back and be like, okay, why are we here in this situation? Not their fault. It's been yeah, what they've been exposed to. Yeah. And that's what we're noticing in college more is like the life skills that kids came with in the past. There, We have to teach those now, you know, because it leads to, you know, emotional stress, mental health, you know, because this stress goes up like I'd being having to have a, like going and asking my professor for something or go to financial aid. Mm-hmm. Um, we are getting more first generation students. So when you call home and you're like, mom, I'm not getting along with my roommate. They, this, you know, that kind of thing. And if you're a first generation, like how's the parent going to yeah. respond to that? Or, Cause you they know, haven't been in that situation. No, no. So it's respecting that part of like, how can we help with that of, you know, we get kids that are upset because my roommate leaves their toothbrush on the edge of the thing or doesn't roll, like leaves toothpaste on the edge. I'm like, well, did you talk to them about it? Did you have a conversation? Oh, no. And I'm like, okay, yeah. bring your roommate in. Let's talk about Big this. Communication 101, right? <laughs> so personal stuff. Yes. So I'm going to kind of ask, I'm going to steal sure. part of your question is, um, what do you find it, like joy in in life just outside of work with your family? Uh, the peaceful times, I think I noticed this weekend, Taylor and her husband, which is so weird to say that, like it's been boyfriend, fiance for a while. So she was home. We were at my mom's house. Uh, my husband was there and Bowden, my son. And like for a second, I kind of sat back and just watched and listened and didn't partake in, but it was just so cool to see the happiness and the joy. You know what I mean? Like you, sometimes we're in those moments and we don't just sit back and be like, oh, this is really nice to have everybody together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think since my dad, my, my stepdad that passed away, uh, my dad passed away when, let's see, Taylor, so 25 years ago, but my stepdad became more important in my life after that. And him passing away, I think has made me really kind of like realize that that family time is so important and enjoying it. Um, sometimes you go to family things and you're like, oh, this isn't going to be, or this you know, drives me a little bit batty while I'm there. Now I'm like, you just got to let that go and just yeah. be in the moment and enjoy people. Um, but I do, I enjoy relate relationships and connecting people and watching people connect and those little sparks go off. You're like, Oh boy, they're going to do really cool things. Yeah. I guess, um, uh, season of gratitude, right? Yep. With Thanksgiving coming up. What would you say the top three things are that you're, you're thankful for? I'm going to ask you what you asked your students today. Sure. Well, I only asked for one or three of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am definitely thankful for my family, my kids, um, and my husband Craig is lucky enough um, to find him 10 years ago. We went to high school to actually together. I hadn't seen each other for like 33 years. Wow. And it was just... Was it a, like a reunion where you guys no. met up again? Or? <laughs> Funny story. So... <laughs> sure. <laughs> so um, I the house that I lived in and stuff, which was a really nice home, but it needed a new railing and the people I had come work on the railing didn't do something right. So my dad, my stepdad brought Craig, my husband, my future husband to the house to fix it being a general contractor. Um, and he, I didn't even talk to him that day. I don't think, I think he saw Taylor that day cause I was taking Bowden to a soccer tournament. So I was like out of the house 
And then he messaged, I messaged him and I said, Hey, let me know how much I owe you for coming and doing this. Did you remember that you guys went to school together? Yeah. Okay. So you kind of knew that? Yes. Okay. It wasn't like you showed up and saw this guy like, you look familiar. No, like I was gone that morning and stuff. And then my dad said, my stepdad, I called Pete and stuff. My stepdad. And I said, Hey, how much do I owe Craig for coming and, you know, doing this? He's like, well, here's, here's his email or whatever. Just ask him and stuff. Um, so literally my dad brought him to the house to do that. We started all like emailing back and forth and it just kind of that evolved. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Over time he needed time cause he had come like been married for a number of years and stuff and just kind of, yeah, finding himself again. And I feel like we, it's different now. Like I'm not afraid to say anything to him, talk to him about things and stuff. And we just have a really, really good, solid relationship. So thankful for him and my my kids they're amazing they my 18 year old son sometimes i just look at him and shake my head because 18 year old boys kind of thing get me scared (laughs) Sue. i've got three of those coming up yeah i can't (laughs) imagine stuff but yeah it's so thankful for them um thankful for the relationship that i have with my mom and to have my mom still in my life she's an amazing woman and been a guiding force um and so strong she wouldn't probably doesn't realize that sometimes but it's you know, watching her, she was always, it was always Pete and Barb and now she's becoming Barb, you know? Um, and she hasn't been, it's a figuring that piece out again. Um, and definitely thankful for being grounded in life at this time in my life, I guess. And having, and just to say like, kind of, I'm glad I've kind of figured myself out at Mm -hmm. this point, because I think it takes a lot of years and you're busy working a lot of years and, Finally, like, you know, like, this is who I am. I'm always say that and stuff. This is who I am. I'm going to kind of, I'm honest or to a fault, I think, sometimes. I think that comes with age, too, right? Yeah. You just start saying stuff. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, like, I'll, you know, and I do, I like, I'm more thoughtful on what I say, but then I'm like, okay, if I know this is hopefully going to help in this situation, I'm not going to walk out of the room being like, wow, I wish I would have yeah. had a voice there. So. I know it's not my turn to answer a question but i'm gonna just because again it is thanksgiving this week and um one of the things that i've really become grateful for um i would say just in the past year or so it's just the quiet times yeah right and i and my privacy like um this is not a very private thing i mean this is a podcast but quite honestly um part of this was to be able to give my patients an opportunity to kind of get to see and know who i am personally without like me having, cause I can't do that with right. patients, right? No. It's just, there's boundaries and things like that. Um, and, but also being able to share amazing stories of people that have helped me to get me where I'm at. And, um, and some of these people I haven't met, like my next two guests, I'm really excited about, but just super successful people. Right. But um, this allows me to not feel like I have to go out and my wife and I were just talking about this. Like we're not into that big party thing anymore. Right. Yep. Like it's just, it's just not fun for me. There's a couple occasions where I'll do it, but I'm so simple now. Yeah. Like I like to just come home and throw sweats on and um, just be comfy and, yep. and spend time with the boys and maybe watch a good movie or some sports, but uh, going to like big events and dressing up and uh, just, <laughs> it's just not me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You go through those phases where that's fun, but then there's the times where you just, you do, you, I enjoy 
being at home, we live on um, 12 acres and then have 250 acres surrounding us that the awesome. guy that owns it is like, I bought this land so no one would build on it. Basically. So it's all woods or what? It's all woods and then a big field to the side of us. Like I can't see, I can kind of see the guy down that owns, he lives across the street from us, kind of kitty, kitty corner. And he, um, but I can see that house, but it's the only house I can see. Um, so, and I love, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I had neighbors. But then other times I'm like, it's just, it's just nice. I enjoy it. And my, like, he's, uh, yeah, we're going to have a pond. We're going to like, he's like, he is, he's just, I'm like, well, when you're done with the house, what are you going to do? Well, then I'll move on to my next project. He's, you know, which is neat. Cause he's just like falling in love with the land and yeah. watching him create things is pretty cool. I wish I had that creative mind. Like, that's not me. I walk in a room and I see a box like you're more that creative. like you. Two oh, I love cre- totally buy like that's he, like my yeah. my thing. He works, does a lot of work over at Chautauqua Institute. And okay. so it's yeah. really neat to see the craftsmanship that they do. And because you have to put things back the way they were. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't like user interpretation. This is yes, like. Yeah. I wouldn't want hundreds of years old. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it is. It's just that peacefulness and enjoying and realizing that, you know, being alone with your own thoughts is, is okay. Yeah. Know? I spend a lot more time by myself these days than yeah. ever. And I enjoy it. Yeah. When I saw you like walking at press, would you, when you walked at Prescott, mm-hmm. were you by yourself? Uh, I don't remember the last time I've been at Prescott, not by myself. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. I like to do that at least a couple of times a week. And, um, that's good. Good yeah. for you. That longevity wise, that will like, yeah, serve you well. Cause I can think of like people from where I grew up in Finley Lake and Sherman and all that. Like, I'm like, they're like, Oh, I'm getting a hip replacement. Oh, who's doing that? Oh, Dr. Molly. Like got quite a few people from like that climber Sherman. Yeah, Northeast. I was just getting my hair cut and stuff. And she's like, Oh, and Dr. Molly did my mom's surgery. Yeah. I know (laughs) her daughter cleans our house. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's just a lot of small connections. So it's like, it's like you are like, it's again, you have, you know, spread out, even though like you're down in Meadville and stuff like that. Like it is, it's, it's hard to go someplace that someone probably doesn't. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the main reasons when we moved here, as opposed to living in Meadville was like, I felt like it would be a little insulated up here. And now I'm walking, like I was at Wegmans yesterday with two boys and we were getting Buffalo chicken dip uh, (laughs) ingredients uh, because they wanted to watch the Steelers game and eat Buffalo chicken dip. And, um, I ran into one of my patients. Didn't I couldn't remember her name. I think I just met her. Yeah. And she's like, hey. And I was just like, it's nice, but at the same time, I, there's a there's a reason to have Instacart too. Yeah. <laughs> or like when we travel, no yeah. one knows me. Yeah, so it's just kind of nice, nice to just so be able to just, Yeah. But yeah. and Meadville's a small, like Meadville Sager Town, that whole area. Oh yeah. Area. And my family, everybody knows my family. Yeah. Right. So you must you know the Harrisons, Brian and Dee mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So my our daughters went to Villa together and stuff. Okay, yeah, because so. they were big Seaton. Yes. Um, yeah, the boy, uh, the two boys, and that that are in high school now at prep, and yeah, right, yeah. I saw her at Waldemere a couple of years ago, yeah. in, in the uh, the wave pool. Oh, I believe it. And, and, and she, <laughs> um, I think my wife dropped something, um, whether it was a bracelet or something. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what it was, and she came up and brought it up yeah. to me. She's like, "Doctor Molly," I'm like, huh? and you know, you just see people out of context, yes. and I was like, "Wait." And she's like, yes. And, yeah. and she goes, "Your, I think your wife dropped it. Oh, you know what it was? It was her. She definitely knew it was my wife because yeah. it was her driver's license. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. So she dropped her driver's license. Aww. It was kind enough to bring that back. But um, yeah. so my last personal question for you, it's kind of a sure. two-parter. Okay. So um, 
if you could do anything other than your current job or any of your previous jobs mm-hmm. or roles, um, what would you do? And then the second part to that is if you could go and be anywhere and Finley like doesn't count, mm-hmm. I'm taking that out of the yep. equation too. Like if you had to like transport and live in this location and do this occupation, where would it be? And what would you do? I'd be a veterinarian and I'd be in Montana. That was quick. I think you've thought about this before. <laughs> I haven't, but I just kind of put all those. Yeah, I'd be a veterinarian. I think like, you like know. your dad. Yeah, my grand. Yeah, my granddad and stuff. Like I would. Oh, your grand. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. granddad and probably go towards more towards uh, like large animal. Um, but we went. Uh, so when I got married, five years we married five years ago. We went to Montana for our honeymoon and stayed at a dude ranch there and rode horses in Yellowstone and stayed. You know, it's just greatest experience and I it was just again that peaceful place mm-hmm. that you're just like you wake up in the morning go to bed at night and you're just like oh wow yeah and neat people like we were on the outskirts so like by the Glanton River and the family ranch that they had owned for a number of years and it was just the sense of family and again relationships I'm all about relationships and I guess you don't realize that when you're younger how much you value them so it's funny that you mentioned that because I didn't for yeah. so long. And it wasn't that I was intentionally not valuing no. them. I just, yep. I was just kind of like a lone wolf and I would just, because I, I needed to be for yeah. 20 years of my life to get through what I needed to get through academically. But yeah. then as you start to get comfortable in, in your skin and what you're doing, you start to understand that the importance of, of people and yes. relationships. And, and I'm not just saying this because we're recording this right now, but this podcast has been the most fun project I've done uh, in the yeah. past 15 to 20 years because it has allowed me to get to sit down with people like you yeah. that I haven't really sat down and had, I've never had this much of no. an in-depth conversation with yeah. you um, and getting to know more about you, like my best friend, Jared, I learned stuff about him. Yeah, I bet. Every single person, there, there's been something that was just like very just eye-opening to me and a, oftentimes yeah. a lot of things, like the fact that your grandfather was that and just hearing your story about where you grew up and yep. where you currently live and, yeah. and your husband it's just it's touching so yeah. thanks yeah well, thank you <laughs> i appreciate this time because yeah you don't we don't get this time with people like no I've followed your career and your family and think it's yeah you're just doing great things sue i wouldn't be here honestly if it wasn't for you and for brad and Aww. for janet and for that the whole mercer's crew because um top-notch education top-notch people Taught me how to be a gentleman, taught me how to work hard, taught me how the importance of, of I call them patients now, but they were athletes at the time, which yeah. were our patients. Yeah. Right? yeah. And that's what it's moved to now and that. But but I think you came knowing your sister and you, like your parents did a really good job. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, that, I owe that all to them too, yeah. right? Because I wouldn't be able to be where yeah. I'm at without them. There's so. always a kindness about you and your sister that was... You, he didn't even have to talk to you to know. Oh, she's way more kind than me. But. She's, a sweet, she's a sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward. So you got to meet Nathan, yeah, her oldest. She yeah. has five kids. Wow. Um, so Nathan's staying here for uh, with us for a month because oh. he's doing a CDL training. Cool. Um, so he, it's I think it's in or near Waterford, but he's okay. like, I think he just kind of wants a little bit of time outside of his house too. And All right. We really enjoy him. He's Good. honestly one of the nicest, kindest gentlemen that I've met. And he's only like 20. Wow. Doesn't so, surprise me. He's very mature. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me. So, so. sawbone shoe stretch. So, um, yeah. I'm a huge shoe guy. Yep. Um, and I always ask my guests to wear something 
that has a story or is meaningful. (laughs) And believe it or not, Sue, this has been like, I've had a couple of times where I've almost broken down into tears hearing my guests um, stories about their shoes. One was Dr. David Hutzel. Okay. Um, I mean, his, if you haven't seen that episode, I would highly watch, recommend watching it, particularly that five minutes. And um, I think we're going to kind of do, I wouldn't call it a highlight reel, but like just my favorite moments from each guest. Right. And that's going to definitely be his. Yeah. So what you, what are you wearing here? So these are called blowfish shoes. And these are my favorite ones because they are number one are fleece inside. So they're comfortable. I don't have a long, they're cute, they're cute, but I, I guess as I look at it now, like I wear these to work, but I'm comfortable in my own shoes, comfortable in my own skin now. Yeah. And I don't have to like put on heels and I don't have to be like, this is me. And I probably have at least 12 to 15 pair of these in different colors and that, but they're just super comfortable. I'm again, I just feel like I'm comfortable with my own skin and stuff of where I am in my life. And these shoes kind of articulate that. Yeah. Yeah. But they are comfortable. I just, I love them. Blowfish. Blowfish. So yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen or heard of blowfish, but yeah. I bet you now that you have mentioned it, you will notice them. I'll, I'll notice. Yeah. Do they make guys shoes too? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. They do and stuff. And like these were before Hey Dudes yeah. came in and, and that. And I've tried Hey Dudes. They, I like them, but not the same as these. Yeah. But I've probably, my first pair was probably four or five years ago. And you I turned you on to them or did you just find them? They were on, they were at TJ Maxx and I thought, oh, these look cool. They look comfortable and tried them on. I'm like, yep, <laughs> those work. Um, so, I mean, back in the day at Mercyhurst, yeah. um, I think Karen always says this too. Like we'll go out to dinner and be like, Ooh, yeah. I don't, can I wear this? Yeah. She's like, Ryan. Post COVID, you can wear whatever, whatever you, want, you want anywhere you want, other than a couple places. Like yes. if you're going to the Erie Club, you better put on a sport coat and have right. a tie on. Yep. But other than that, like the world is so much more casual. It but is. Would you have been able to wear something like that when? No, I don't think Brad J would have been okay with that back in the day and yeah. stuff. I'd have to wear the like tied up sneakers and look a little bit. But like this is, I well, I would wear this to work. It helps me on the health and wellness side. It can kind of be that like yeah. chill person a little bit more. But if I have meetings that I have to be dressed up for, I do. Sure. But like walking into a bunch of student athletes and talking to them, I I want to walk in and for them to feel comfortable with me. So yeah. it almost takes the armor off. It right? does. So you just kind of like, yeah. I don't want to say down to their level, but like it, you're easier to talk to, I would yeah. say. Yeah. But if you came in and you were all. Oh, if I was all dressed up and stuff, they would then. The wall goes up. Yeah. <laughs> where they're like, I go and sit down next to them when I talk to them and stuff. I'll be talking to like my favorite group. And I'm sorry to all the other teams, but it's to talk to football. Put me in the room with 110 football players. And there's something about like the connection that they make, the respect that they have, that they listen um, I don't know what it is, wow. but it, it like, I would it, think that would be overwhelming because just so many people. Yeah, no, I don't know what it is about them. And yeah. I love the eye contact piece with them. Um, I think it's a lot of first generation kids also. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take like men's basketball is probably my other, like in, in, and women's basketball, um, probably the men more is a lot of first generation kids considered to be in the U S still poor man sports. Um, because there's not as much basketball now more, but like club is not a thing for as much for football. Okay. You know what I mean? Like other yeah. sports and that, like, uh, pay to play sports is how our kids get to us. Sure. They've all played club, which is nothing wrong with it, but it's definitely like when you grew up, 
the difference between youth sports then and youth sports now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's very different. Um, but there is, there's just something about football. And I think it, part of it now is even more with uh, coach or media. There's a culture shift um, where he has like leadership groups, you know? It's awesome. Yeah. I just formed a leadership group in my, at the request of my leadership slash yeah. life coach. Yeah. And it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. They do it where they have like 12 guys, I think in a group and they're from all different years but they have certain things they have to do. They have to do community service on campus. They have to go to activities. So they are really embedded in the university. Does again. every single athlete or are, are mm-hmm. every football player part of a, a leadership group? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so you'd have yeah. 110 kids divided by 10 to 12. Yeah. So you'd have 10 to 12 yeah. Yeah. kind of teams yeah. or uh, leadership teams, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Awesome. Or they, yeah. Which is great because the upperclassmen will help work with them, but it also helps to kind of bring the like youngers that. along. And, and the coach kind of like brought that up. Yeah. And, yeah. That's been one of the things that Ryan's instituted since he became head coach. And I need to get him on the podcast. He's yeah. And his wife, uh, Morgan, uh, Beatty now Remedio is an athletic trainer for oh. us. So Love yeah, it. yeah, they're, they've been great. He's from California originally. Um, how's he uh, adjusting to Erie? Well, he's been here for a long time. He played football. Is it Minot? Min- M-I-N-O-T like up in North Dakota. Oh, okay. So he like, yeah, doesn't phase him. Got it. Yeah, but he's he's good friend. He's a good friend also, which is we'll make the introduction at some. I point. I will definitely. We'll, well, we have to get you on campus. That's why I keep. Well, you yeah. mentioned that when we were just kind of interacting about yeah. this, and um, I would be honored to come yeah. and um, do whatever you want me to do. Yeah, because I we used to have it on where we would have an alumni day where alumni would come and teach classes, be involved on campus, and that. And we've kind of I keep trying to bring that back up because. Yeah. Gary Calabrese used to come from Cleve Clinic. Yeah. So, yeah, he would come. So it was neat to have that. But I think it's a great opportunity and a way to come in and teach, but then also to... Well, I'm here in town. Uh, so. yeah, well, we're going to make that happen. For sure. <laughs> so I'm wearing the Air Jordan 5s. Uh, cool. These are called the Jade Clots. Um, the Jade is kind of a tribute to the Chinese and Japanese culture. Right. The reason I wore these was, uh, again, the Jade being yep. green matches with the the green for the Mercedes. So... Yeah, and and, and they're comfy too. Yeah. So, but um, mine are much cheaper than yours. <laughs> possibly, just saying, <laughs> which is okay. <laughs> yeah, this is this is my guilty pleasure. So yeah, for for sure, that's all right. <laughs> so uh, you've watched a couple of these episodes, right? I have. So you know what's coming, don't you? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna let you pick. Yeah. Are you gonna be the first guest that I've actually? Well. John Melody, I kind of let yeah. him pick too because I knew that if if basketball happened, that we'd probably get too competitive, and yeah. uh, so we played the foosball game. But okay, so we've got the Sawbones Challenge coming up here. Um, we've got the mini hoop. We could do pig there. We've got the Papa Shot. We could um, whatever. I like game for whatever. <laughs> yeah. So stick around. Sawbones Challenge is coming up next, and we'll see you when we come back. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the main event. All right. Sabo's challenge. Sue Sweeney. I'll let you. You want to go first or you want me to go first? Um, I guess I'll go first. I'm All right. Here hand. we go. We're playing pig, by the way. Okay. So do I just... Any shot you want. You can do just jumpers. You can do trick shots. You can do... Yeah, we'll just... just... <laughs> she's she's going to come in. She's going to be a, a ringer here. So I do some, like, odes and tributes oh, to some of the yeah, old greats. So this is my little Kareem. Yeah. Um, a little the hook, <laughs> air ball hook. <laughs> I have to try 
No, I, I okay. just texted you. You got whatever you want. I can do whatever I want. want. I haven't played. Oh, it's so close. The Kobe fadeaway. Never got shot here, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a long game. It is. We'll do it something easy Oh! <laughs> All right. Just go to the foul line here. This is bad, Sue. This is. This may take like a lot of filming here to get this done. Welcome back, everybody, after the Sawbones Challenge. So, again, Sue, I just want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule yeah. uh, before Thanksgiving. Um, first and foremost, I want to wish you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving. And uh, thank you again for everything, for coming here, for the years of um, education that you provided to me over 20-some years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and just your friendship. I, I really do value that. And um, just want to thank you. Yeah. And your kindness is so appreciated. Um, and I think knowing you all these years of like watching you grow through your career and before even being at Mercyhurst and stuff and like then watching you grow in your career has been it is it's very reward rewarding because you see it in the students and then you're just like, wow, look at everything that they've done. And um, really, again, kind of in that mom side, like proud of you um, oh, for well, the you. like professional, but even like you're being the family man that you are. Um, that is, means a lot. Yeah. Appreciate it. You're welcome. So in conclusion, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? Retired. <laughs> no, <laughs> you got to give us 50, 50 at Mercyhurst. Yeah. I, I, again, I give myself like maybe five more years. My, um, is, but I do, I want to relax and enjoy life. Um, we have this property that we're on. I, said to my husband, I'm like, I would like a couple horses at some point. I'd like to do some things that I've always wanted to do. But I was uh, raising kids a lot on my own, like for nine, 10 years by myself. Um, I want to relax and enjoy life and um, take advantage of having a good family and hopefully grandkids. I was going to say road. grandkids, right? Yeah. Um, but I do. I want to be able to relax and enjoy life because like I said, I graduated in Mercier's 88, came back in 89 and worked ever since just been on that treadmill yeah so i think i just would like to get up in the morning and work out and do my thing but then be able to help out around the community a little bit more would be nice to have the time to do that so. do you see yourself staying in the community 
Yeah, like I do. I see my like we're in Harbor Creek is where we live. Um, and then do a lot like Finley Lake. I'd like to get more involved there to be able to give back there. Um, but I do. I I, I going like maybe to the, like the art house and doing some tutoring, um, that type of thing. I think, mm-hmm. you know, just to be there again as a support for some kids that don't always have that at home. Yeah. Give them back. Yeah. Yeah. It's an important piece. Like that idea of being grateful and that is a lot of times like you, those little things, like when I try to explain to some people on campus, like some of these kids didn't have a mom or dad that when they came home and said, do you have, do you have your homework done? Like there's nobody there at home when yeah. they came. You know what I mean? Like it's sad. I, it is. It's... It is. And it's part of their reality of, you know, knowing they've persevered, but like what we can do is kind of be there to be able to sometimes just check up on them and know that somebody cares that they're getting their work done. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Yep. And uh, thank you to the Mercer's community. Um, again, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, if you have any guests you'd like to see, uh, please email us, message us, leave comments on our YouTube channel. Um, but again, stay tuned. We've got our our preview for next week's guest coming up. I'm afraid to say that I'm wearing this right now. I may have to wear it again next week. <laughs> yeah, you will. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a little uh, the Catholics versus the, versus the heathens, uh, different different era, but uh, still going to be a cool guest. And uh, thanks again for tuning in. Have a great night. Last week's guest it was Mercyhurst, and I'm actually recording this just after our Mercyhurst guest. So. I apologize, Jordan, but I really don't apologize because I bleed green and I bleed blue. And uh, I was messing around. But uh, for those of you in the Erie area, he is kind of this young gun that's came into the Gannon University, and he is now their head men's basketball coach. I remember Jordan when he was literally this tall. Um, I joke, I said he looked like uh, Dennis the Menace. He had bleach blonde hair, a little bowl cut. He was, I think, 10, 11 years younger than me. But uh, Jordan Fee... Um, super excited to, to catch some of his basketball games. He runs a very up-tempo, fast-paced offense. I mean, they're averaging 130, sometimes 140 points a game. So um, it's going to be a great episode. Stay tuned, and uh, we'll catch you soon. Tell me all about it, Doc.